Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 28 of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Troy Setter. Troy is the Chief Executive Officer of CPC, and he joined CPC in early June 2014. Troy is one of the top cattlemen and agribusiness leaders in the country here in Australia and well-renowned for his achievements across the industry. As Chief Operating Officer for the Australian Agricultural Company, he successfully executed a three-year strategic plan to restructure the company's operations and diversify sales to new markets, invest in and divest assets, develop and implement the genetic improvement strategy and increase profitability and herd size. Prior to that, Troy held key management positions at Torrens Investments, North Australian Cattle Company, and Kalara Feedlot. Troy began his career at Twynham Agricultural Group whilst completing a degree in rural science from the University of New England. Troy has completed further study, including the Agribusiness Program at Harvard Business School and the Australian Institute of Company Directors course. Throughout his career, Troy has been responsible for all aspects of the supply chain from cereal and fibre cropping grain and grass-fed cattle operations, domestic and international logistics, trading and shipping through to genetic improvement, beef and cattle marketing, broad strategy development, investment, and finance. Uh, Well, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Welcome, Troy. Uh, Welcome and uh, great to be with you, Jono. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. It's great to have another, um, uh, another Brisbane another sort of uh, Brizzy local, but that's, uh, I guess, before we get into your context, uh, are you, how long have you been in Brisbane? Have you grown up here your whole life? No, I, I moved to uh, to Brisbane in 2010. We moved down from uh, from Darwin and uh, so been here for a bit over 10 years, um, which is probably not enough time to become a local, but certainly feel <laughs> that it's, uh, that Brisbane is uh, is home. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Well, uh, I have to be careful that I don't turn this podcast into a Tourism Brisbane uh, <laughs> podcast because I feel like I'm always telling people who might be listening on the other side of the world how beautiful it is here. But uh, that's my one plug for Brisbane and it is great to connect with uh, with someone who's um, who's also based here in Brisbane. Uh, Troy, tell us about CPC and about your role as CEO just to let listeners know a bit about your context. So CPC or Consolidated Pastoral Company is, has been around for, for quite a while and, and this year will actually celebrate the, the 100 years of our, our brand. So we put a, a wine glass shaped firebrand on our cattle and that's become our company company logo. We've, we've really only had our third owner now in, in that period of time. So we were originally the, owned by the, the Packer family, uh, by Kerry and then James Packer. And then uh, Terra Firma, a private equity fund out of the UK, bought us in 2009. And then last year, uh, Guy Hands, who also owns that Terra Firma private equity vehicle, purchased uh, CPC from the other investors. Um, today, we run about 300,000 cattle on about 3.5 million 
hectares of land. So to put that in perspective, that's about half the size of, of Ireland. Um, <laughs> wow. And we also have two uh, feedlots in Indonesia um, and, uh, and those two feedlots in Indonesia employ about 600 people. We've got a fair bit of farming and horticulture uh, in Indonesia. Um, and one of the big things that's important to us in our business in Indonesia is the reliance that 12,000 families have uh, on that business in Indonesia. Back to Australia where our head office and our, and our station operations are, are run, there's about 300,000 cattle and about 180 people uh, directly uh, employed at, uh, at CPC. And look, looking forward, we're certainly a growth business. We want to continue to grow our agricultural production as, as well as uh, have a, uh, you know, a positive impact on communities in, in Australia and, uh, and in Indonesia. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, well, that's wonderful to get a bit of an insight into CPC and those numbers are, uh, I remember in, in one of the earlier podcasts, I, I had the Chief Supply Logistics Officer uh, for Gadavia um, uh, chocolate on and uh, he was talking about some <laughs> some numbers in terms of the amount of chocolate they put around the world and the number of markets. But I think the uh, the the number of uh, cattle and hectares of land that you just mentioned there is giving that a good run for its money in terms of um, uh, my brain trying to comprehend. That's that's uh, it's a big big operation. Um, so tell us, Troy, give us a bit of an insight into your story, particularly some of those moments that shaped Troy Setter becoming you know who you are today. Yeah, so I, I was fortunate enough when I left school to, to get a job working as a jackaroo. For those who don't know, jack, don't know what a jackaroo is, it's a you know, someone who goes out and just does farm work and, and property work and spent most of my time on a motorbike chasing sheep or cattle or driving tractors and and uh, and doing livestock operations with a, a company called Twinem Group. Um, so I started doing that when I was 17 and, and was fortunate enough to to work across a variety of their properties in uh, in southern Australia in in all sorts of different industries, and they were really innovative companies. So worked in cotton and rice, uh, cereal grains, uh, sheep and and cattle uh, trading and and marketing. And I worked for them for about ten years, um, and at the same time did a, uh, a, a my, some undergraduate study. I went and lived overseas in in North America um, for a little while, and and um, and was actually part of the Australian meat judging team. So we judged meat across the US which and Japan and Korea, which is probably a discussion for another day. Most people probably don't know Australia has a, a meat judging team. Mm. Um, it's a pretty cool uh, team to be a part of. Um, and you know, through that process became a, a manager of one of their businesses, which was a, a feedlot and, and, uh, and a farming cropping and, and uh, cattle breeding operation. And, and uh, and that was sort of the, the start of my uh, the start of my early career. Yeah, fantastic. And as you look back since since those first days when you were at the Twinem Group, are there any moments that come to mind where you think that? And I said to you before we started recording, sometimes these moments we don't know why they're pivotal. But we, I know whenever I ask myself these questions, because I do try to put myself in the shoes of of the people that I'm working with and, and talking to on the podcast. The funniest things sometimes come up where you think, I don't know why that's so significant, but it really, you know, I remember when I saw that leader in that situation and they, how amazingly they managed it, or when I was watching someone navigate and, and I really felt like they really dropped the ball in how they 
you know, and how they cared for the people they were leading. And uh, it these things that some of them really, really come to your mind as pivotal sort of moments in your own leadership journey. So uh, since Twinum Group, are there any moments like that that stand out in your career so far, Troy? Yeah, look, it'd be probably uh, six or seven months into to working for Twinum and I I moved properties and, and into different managers very regularly. That was part of the cadetship type program. I worked for you know, some, some really good managers that were smart and, and supervisors that were, were great hands-on lead from the front leaders. And I think I was fortunate enough to work pretty early in my career for a, a manager who had you know, very little, if any, leadership skills and was pretty abusive and, and aggressive towards all of us and, and, mm. um, and was pretty, you know, pretty angry and who motivated people with fear and tried to withhold information from, from all the people that worked for him so that he could be the sort of fountain and, and centrepiece. And, and that, I, you know, I took out of that that I never wanted to, um, to behave like that, that I never wanted to have people that I worked with and people that I, you know, were, were going to, you know, work alongside me, work alongside me because of fear or, or work alongside me and, and be in a vacuum of, of information and I would never want to be at a point where I'm yelling and screaming and abusing people like he did. Um, look, he, he went on to you know, get sacked pretty quickly and I probably learned too that, you know, the benefit of once the company found out how he behaved, that there was swift leadership from from the CEO, the owner and the general manager at that time to, to remove someone because that's not how they wanted to behave as an organisation. But those those day-to-day behaviours that I'd learnt from him of how I didn't want to behave, I think have stuck with me uh, throughout uh, throughout my, my you know, development and, and career and how I try and work with and, and lead with and engage with uh, with other people that I you know, seek first to understand and 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 seek first to you know, you know, only communicate with people in a way that I would appreciate being communicated with <laughs> or, or, or you know, and and more as a peer rather than a dictatorial sort of yelling leader. Um, that was something that I didn't motivate me. And I thought, well, if that doesn't motivate me, it mustn't motivate other people because I've got a pretty thick skin, so I don't want to behave like that going forward. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing how often I hear on this podcast people talk about those sort of experiences and it's often the negative experiences that, that are just as, if not even more formative because they go, wow, that was so painful uh, to be led like that. I never want to, I never want to do that to others. I really want to be a leader. And, uh, and I, yeah. I always encourage people that when you're sometimes when you're in those situations where you're being led like that, you know, maybe listeners are in that situation where they're in a really tough role or, or they're, they're under leadership where it's re- it is that sort of uh, fear based and, and my encouragement is that it's, it doesn't make it any easier, but realizing that actually what you learn in those times can often be the fuel for great leadership if you if you learn from it, like you're like you're talking about. Yeah, you certainly um, uh, think about you know when you get asked the question, what's the difference between leadership and management, um, and when you've you've worked with someone like that you can really quickly see what management is versus, versus leadership. And it's interesting to talk to you know, young people who, who I work alongside with here. We talk about the difference between leadership and management and a lot of them look at you and say, well, it's the same thing. And you, 
sort of think you haven't worked for a bad manager yet um, <laughs> and hopefully you never do but sometimes it can be good in your uh, in your career to, to have those sort of you know negative experiences get those bitter tastes in your mouth and then and then resolve how you do or don't want to uh, to, to operate I remember I was doing a workshop one time and I had uh, one of the things I do in this particular workshop is I, I talk about, you know, get people to think about a situation where they were led really poorly for this exact reason because then out of working out what what that person didn't do well actually helped to come up with uh, some self-reflection on how you want to improve your own leadership. And I just had this one person when when I got around to them and they sort of said, well, I, I've never really had, uh, you know, a a bad leader or had any run-ins with anyone who led me and I sort of was a bit lost for words because I was like I just didn't quite know how to respond to that because I'd never <laughs> never heard that before but um yeah. <laughs> unfortunately most of us aren't um well I think fortunately as well because it like you said it is very formative um what about the flip side I guess for you that's that was what not to do in, in which was which has really helped shape your leadership what are some of the real keys, uh, or if I phrase it this way, if you were, you know, if one of our listeners, particularly say a young leader was sitting there at the table with us and we were having a chat and they said, Troy, what's just a couple of really big ideas around leadership? If you could only pick a couple, what are some real keys to, to leading people well from your experience so far? Look, I, I think trust and transparency is, is really important and and knowing that people are, you know, that you're on, on the same page, um, and that there's clarity and, and transparency and, and trust is is paramount. If you don't have that, then people are second guessing. They're burning up energy. They're they're not entirely sure, and that's not not good. Um, I think you know you want a, a fearless relationship where you know people can bring problems to you and and issues and and things that haven't worked because i i firmly believe that you know leadership particularly in business is about giving people the opportunity to make mistakes mm. giving people the opportunity to learn giving them the freedom to do that but also taking the time to teach them and and taking the time to to impart knowledge on them so they don't drown they might get a little bit of water in their mouth but they certainly don't want them to drown mm. um but if you don't have that trusting and transparent relationship and open communication, then they're not going to bring problems and failure to you. You're going to have to put a lot of energy into to finding those and 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 working them them out. Um, I think that that's a sort of you know start point for me with with leadership. I think um, you know also working out with people how they want to communicate with you. Particularly, if they're a direct report in leadership. You know, I've got some some people that I work with who are you know really introverted, and they find it really tiring to talk a lot of times, you know, multiple times during the day or multiple times a week. Mm. Those people are really extroverted, and they really want to talk multiple times a day, and <laughs> and that can be tiring as well. But yeah, you know, as part of that leadership is is working out, you know, pretty quickly how how people want to communicate back and forth with you if you are in a leadership role but also adapting it for the the work or the or the position that, that's on and that's that's very much work related i chair a you know charity and chair another company and and you have different you have different types of leadership and different types of communication for different types of um you know programs you might be the 
you know, the, the president of the footy club um, versus being the general manager of a operating business. And, and they will take very different communication and leadership uh, sort of behaviours, but, you, but you'll be the same person and it'll depend on the people around you and the structure of what you, you're dealing with and then also what are you trying to achieve and what are the mm. skills and capabilities and, and communication types of the people that, that you're working with. Um, I, I very much take a we work together. We, we I see ourselves as peers. I try and you know, present as we work alongside each other rather than you work for me or that person works for them. Now, I know in practice that's that's how it works and that's how the organisational chart or the the you know the club chart is drawn. But if you come at it from a mindset of where we're working together, we work alongside each other, we are peers in this more than this person works for me or I work for this person, you just seem to get so much more done. You have a much deeper relationship, a much more trusting relationship and, and a lot more of a motivational um, relationship rather than a, than a very much uh, directional relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. You mentioned trust and communication and really not viewing it as a, uh, you're my uh, direct report, I'm your boss, uh, even though that might be the structure, but the the day-to-day re- and really your filter, the lens that you view the relationship is walking alongside. Um, I had uh, Mark Plitzerwhite, who is a um, he is a superintendent of a really interesting group of schools called Edkey in Arizona. He, he was episode two of the podcast for anyone interested in going back and listening. He has this great line that he used a lot when we were chatting, which is about being the guide from the side. And uh, it's, it's interesting that you brought up the same thing, you know, walking alongside. And I've been really surprised uh, in the best way from having all these conversations with great leaders, how often that perspective of I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to get alongside you. And the other one that comes up a lot, I feel like nearly every podcast is that, you know, great leaders come and and want to support and serve their people rather than say, how are you supporting and serving me? Great leadership actually looks like coming to the people in your team and saying, hey, how can I serve you? How can I support you? Uh, so I, I, I think that's great, Troy, what you've mentioned really just echoes a lot of the conversations I've been having with with other leaders around the same ideas. Good, good. It's interesting working with, you know, when I left school and, you know, and for, for many years in my career when you, you're working with livestock that the leader of, a, say, a mob of cattle or a mob of sheep is, is not the one at the front who, you know, pushes through the gate first very often. They're often in the middle of the pack and the sort of delegated roles or delegated type behaviours in, in the mob um, and also the, the leader will lead from the front, but you'll often, if you sit back and watch, you'll often see that that leader is sort of, you know, giving directions from the middle of the people. Part of that in livestock's probably, you know, the leader's getting some protection from their team. Um, and I don't mean that that's what we should do in, you know, all of the time in, in business or, or privately. Um, but, it, but it's an interesting way to, to look at it and think about, you know, we all have our role and, you know, there's people have got, different skills or different experiences or different fears or protections or comfort zones and when we're all working together we'll actually utilize those and play to our strength rather than having one out 
um, sort of hero-based leadership. Yeah, it's uh, it's been incredible, Troy, how often in these podcasts I've been pleasantly surprised just to hear really similar things to what you shared there around walking alongside uh, Mark Blitzer-White, one of uh, from episode two who heads up a really amazing group of charter schools called Edkey in Arizona, talks about being a guide from the side. And uh, I've also had uh, a number of different leaders talk about this idea of looking at your team and saying, how can I support and serve you rather than saying, how can you support and serve me? And that that seems to be a real lens that great leaders have. And, and I hear a lot of parallels as you were unpacking some of those ideas, particularly the idea of walking alongside. Um, so it really lines up with what I've heard from other leaders as well. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly, you know, I think very, very true. And, and every situation and every leader and every team has some, some differences. Um, but the sort of, you know, you know, lead from the front and crack the whip from the back just doesn't work, and particularly with, with you know, younger generation today. And, I think you know, one of the, the fortunate things I've had with working with livestock a lot, particularly you know, as younger in my career, is the leader of a mob of cattle or sheep is often not you know, the one at the front that walks through the gate first. They're, they're often the animal in the middle of the, of the mob and, and they can have influence on the, on the group. Um, you need to influence them to, to get them where, where you want to get that mob to go. But it really shows sort of, you know, Leadership where there's not verbal communication and leadership where there's body language communication, which is how livestock you know, communicate with each other most of the time, um, yeah. unless under extreme stress. And it's uh, it's really interesting to see and learn from animals around how they do group leadership and and, uh, and individual leadership. That's that's fascinating. I've never I've never heard that or really had any experience with. Uh, with how animals um, do sort of group leadership. Is there anything else that you learned from your time working, uh, you know, working with animals um, that comes to mind in terms of approaching leadership? I think yeah, you've got to be really organised. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have you know, plans if things go wrong. But, you know, and and you can't. The more you yell at animals, the worse the the outcome is for, for you, um, but also <laughs> for them. And you know, yelling and screaming and being disorganised and trying to force you know a movement or force an issue, you just end up in absolute tired failure. And uh, and so if you you do that with animals, it's going to be the same result with people. But animals will wear you out faster. <laughs> and uh, and subcon, you know, they'll probably tell you not verbally but physically a lot faster than what people will. So, so it's uh, no, it's it's good. To, it was very good learning. That's gold. I love that because it's that. It's uh, it's just so. As you were saying that, I was just thinking of of how true that is in leadership. That just shouting at being disorganized and then taking it out on your people and shouting at them. That what your experience. Uh, you know, is that if you if you're disorganised and do anything like that with animals, you just find out really fast it doesn't work. You're going to yeah. get all sorts of phys- you know negative physical feedback. It's also worse for them, which is something interesting that you said. Not just worse for you, but it, it's also probably not the best for them because you might create um, you know some sort of uh, chaos or there's 
and and then they might hurt themselves or so i i just love that because that's so true in in leadership and yet i think we can all think of leaders that we've uh, you know worked with or um or, or seen in some context or heard of who lived out that really disorganized abrupt chaos sort of um shout at the nearest person who's not pulling their weight uh so i, I just love that yeah no it's, it's good i think if we look at the the supervisors that we work with and the young leaders we don't, i know in our business we put young guys and girls into leadership roles in their early 20s and they might have a team of, sort of six to ten people under them mm. and around them and you know assets of, sort of 20 or 30 million dollars and and we've got to make sure that we give them that those learnings and feedbacks. Yes, we've got to let them, you know, make mistakes and and have failures, or they'll never learn and they'll never get a you know a deep learning. Um, at the same time, though, we've got to you know make sure that we're saying to them, look, you know, here is a different way, or here's a better way, or this you know, you are going to you know if you continue just to keep practicing the same. Uh, practice but expecting a different outcome you'll never get there and you'll you'll get you know get absolutely frustrated and here's how i can help you um is important as well yeah that's that's great advice it reminds me of something you said earlier around uh, letting people make mistakes and um you know it's okay if they get some water in their mouth but don't let them drown like make sure that you you uh you know you get alongside and help them but at the same time there's that need to actually give people opportunities to to jump in and and uh, and try things that are a bit out of their depth how how do you balance that what, what have you learned about how to lead people so that they can fail well and get some water in the mouth have a have a full-on sort of experience, but it's something that actually shapes them and, and helps them to grow as a leader rather than, um, you know, they, they drown and quit or leave or it, it ends really terribly. Look, it, it's it's a difficult one to, to, to put a, you know, a hard pin in sometimes, but I think if I sit back and look at it and say, well, you, you've got to understand what are the non-negotiable failures that we just can't have or we must prevent at all costs, and that's people getting hurt in the workplace, either physically or or uh, or mentally, emotionally, um, or our business in, with livestock is is animal welfare problems or environmental problems. So that's where you've got to step in as much as you can before something goes that wrong. Yeah, but something taking longer or uh, yeah, a small amount of you know, loss of production or a, or a bit of frustration or or some tension in the workplace that actually gets us to a better place. I think you've got to you know, allow for some of that in your in your budgeting and in your time and and the value of, that you are going to invest in in developing a leader. If you if you truly say that you're going to invest in leadership in your organisation, that means you have to have some cost for failure. You can't just you know wrap a, a leader in in the you know, the best management practice. And the best process and the best way of doing something can, and then teach them sort of you know textbook or theoretical leadership and expect them to be a great leader. One because they need experimental learning. You need to you need to you know, as I say get a little bit of water in your mouth. But two, the problems that they will have and the issues that they will have are not going to be exactly the same as the ones you've had. And if you look at mm. you know, when I was younger in my career. 
social media wasn't an issue when I was first being a supervisor. Certainly was when I became a manager and still is today. But there's yeah, that those sorts of things, you know, change the way that people behave. We've got much more diverse workforces, we've got much more gender balanced workforces, we've got younger people on committees or at sporting clubs or other things or community groups that will speak up and will want to have their opinion. So mm. you can't use your far you can't just use your failures as examples for you know for for teaching leadership or 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 uh, developing leadership because the problems and the community and the environment that we work in and we live in continues to evolve and change yeah i think i think you're right i think uh, I, I that's really profound what you said that around uh, realizing that the people you're leading are going to have different challenges to you and that's i think that could be a real aha moment for people I know it is for me to go, yeah, actually, that's true. They're not necessarily going to uh, come up against the same obstacles. There's going to be some new things that I that weren't around when I was in, in that role and there might be some things they struggle with that came very naturally to me or they some things that come very naturally to them that were big uh, struggles for me and not to just assume that they're a cookie cutter of, of yourself in terms of the challenges and the strengths they have. Absolutely. But there is certainly good learning, you know. So there is absolutely things that generation, generationally, year on year, don't change. Um, but there yes. is plenty that, uh, that do. Yeah, one of those things, and you mentioned it before, is around trust. Uh, once again, if you had a young leader saying to you, Troy, how do, how do I do it? You know, <laughs> how, do I, how do I lead and become a high trust leader who, who trusts people and gives them the benefit of the doubt in a and assumes that people are trustworthy i guess at some level and and is that sort of person where people go yeah you know that my leader trusts me but also um creates an environment of trust in the team how, how do you do that what advice would you give them i think trust is uh, is one of those things that that's earned and gained it's not immediately given and the title certainly doesn't give it to you i mean you can have the CEO title and it doesn't mean that people will trust you of anything it might might mean <laughs> mean they don't so <laughs> you know, trust is is earned and and given um, yes. but it's not a given so um, the other one that's that's really you know I think important with trust is just your yeah, actions speak louder than words yeah um, and if you've proven that you can be trustworthy I think I think people don't expect you to be uh, you know perfect um, mm. You don't get a lot of chances if you outright lie to people, but if things go differently or you're overruled or you know the, the conditions change and you actually upfront deal with that and and talk about it with people in your team and say you know the the markets have changed or the environment's changed or we now have coronavirus and these are why we're doing these changes or yeah or I've got feedback from the rest of the team or I've got feedback from my board or and. And now we're going to make this change, and be upfront about it. You know that'll be that'll be fine for for most of the times. I think you you lose trust when you're not upfront about change or you try and hide change. And I think you also build trust um, when you share problems. And I remember, you know, when I I was running a, a trading business for for a, a fair few years, and we, you know, the first six months in were pretty tough, but 
you know, we were we were trading a lot with you know, Southeast Asian and Northern Asian countries and, and Russia. And my boss saying to me, you, know, you really don't know whether you've got trust with your customers and with your suppliers and you don't know the strength of the relationship and the strength of the business until you have to work through a major problem. And mm. that'll be the true test of the relationship, <laughs> the true test of the trust. And it wasn't until yeah, we had some you know, economic problems and some delivery problems and quality problems. And once we worked through those, you really worked out who who was you know a good trusting relationship and who who wasn't. You can have you can always have customers that you don't trust uh, very well, but mm. you you have to work and communicate and lead with them differently. And you have to have pretty open transparency in your organisation to say, look, you know, this customer has a history of this. And our trust is a bit lower, so this is how we behave with this customer or this is how we operate yes. with this customer or this supplier. And I think that open, candid conversation can really build trust in your team and trust in your leadership. Yeah, that's great. So it's almost those uh, those tough moments when it comes to a relationship with a customer or a supplier and I guess internally with a team as well are opportunities Absolutely. to do a litmus test for it how how much trust there is and uh, so there are actually opportunities in terms of gauging the trust and then then we we certainly have you know if you, if you talk about problems in a business and there's lots of good with in in businesses or any um you know whether it's a committee or an industry organization or a sporting team absolutely there's it's not just about business but that that trust also means confidentiality yes. as well and Unless something is highly illegal or um, or there's bullying or harassment and there's actual disclosure laws around it, if someone shares something with you in confidence, that confidence stops with you. It's, it, it's not one extra person. It's not your friend. It's not your partner. It's not an internal confidence. If someone says to you, you know, this is my piece of something that I, and, and shares their vulnerability or shares their issues with you, it stops with you. Mm. Um, because if if it doesn't and you tell just one person and then it gets out, that trust could be could be gone forever. And it's very hard to to have a constructive relationship with people once trust is uh, is really broken. Yeah, that's so that's so true. Um, another thing that you talked about was communication. And I, I think this is such an important one for leaders and we underestimate uh, the importance of communication and the way that I would explain it is uh, just when, if you think of the, the challenging moments or the mistakes or where your team has dropped the ball in any organisation, how often is miscommunication or a lack of communication um, involved and it's nearly always the case. Uh, so, what do you do? I guess practically for leaders out there who might have a notebook out, going, "Okay, wh what can I do? Like, what does it look like to communicate well?" If we get really practical, how do you communicate with with your people from? And just to, I, I guess, to tell you what I'm what I'm thinking, is it like um, from how often do you meet with sort of direct reports and, and, and those sort of people? And are, are there any keys that you think of to keep the communication lines open between you and, and your, uh, your direct team and the wider organization when it comes to communication? Look, I, I think for me, I answered in a few sort of bites that, you know, I'm, 
I don't like to let problems sit and wait and decisions to sit and wait if they don't need to. Mm. So, you know, I have a, you know, if you have an issue, if you need my help, if you need my support, if you want to share something with me, pick up the phone, give me a call, walk into my office, you know, with my team as much as possible. Um, We still have formal board meetings and we still have formal reviews and you know, we still have formal monthly numbers and results and things but we i'd really say to try to say well don't wait you know pick up the phone come and see me here let's have a talk about it mm. um that's been challenging in COVID a little bit with our team in indonesia who we haven't been able to physically see yeah and a team in indonesia you know communicate when they see you face to face um they're not big at, at picking up the phone i i think the yeah the 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 other piece with you know younger supervisors and and younger team members is is just um is what did you hear so if you're explaining something technical or operational yeah that what did i tell you and then what did you hear from me is really important one so they know exactly what you said and you minimise their chance of them hurting themselves. Mm. But also so you can hone your message. So if, you're, if you've said to someone, I want you to go from A to D and I want you to do this at B and C, and I'm going to be pretty you know, short and say, you know, what did I just tell you? Mm. What did you hear from me? And they tell you back something differently. <laughs> That's your fault. That's not their fault. Um, <laughs> so in terms of, you know, the basics of, message giving and and storytelling and and you know whether it's you know something like work instruction command for you know actually in the in the day-to-day workplace or whether it's something that's you know a bit bigger in that's strategic i think it's really important that we give feedback to each other about what we actually heard from each other yes one so you don't do something dangerous or head off on the wrong track but two so you can hone your communication skills and your leadership communication um otherwise you know you, you're sort of not really looking in the mirror properly yeah that's fantastic it's like um active listening at another level because you're not just active listening to you know make sure that you're hearing the other person correctly you're actually creating <laughs> really intentionally the feedback from them to make sure that they're hearing you correctly and the bit that I love the most about it is that you're not then uh, putting it on them to say, oh, you need to listen more carefully, but you're actually saying, okay, if they've heard something different than what I was saying, then that's on me because I need to get better at communicating so that people uh, you know, really do hear what I'm trying to say because if there's miscommunication, that's on me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's wonderful, Troy. Uh, that's that's uh, that's going to stick with me. That's a great thought, actually. Um, so, just as as we wrap up today, did you have any final thoughts for listeners, Troy? Um, look, I, I think when we think about leadership and our role as leaders, whether it's in a business or whether it's in a sporting team or whether it's in a community organisation. There's a reliance on that organisation and a reliance on you that's deeper than just 
there's 10 people employed here or there's 15 people in the rugby team or there's 20 members of this committee. There's a whole lot of add-ons as well. There's you know, support services. There's grandmother and grandpa that come and watch the rugby team. There's a, the local you know, pie shop that benefits from you know, our people who are working and spending money in the community. Mm. There's the community organisation that, yes, might do you know, these good things in the community, but they also buy things when they're out at a function or, or, or whatever around that. That the reliance is, is a lot broader. And I look at our business in Indonesia and, yes, we employ about 600 people there, but there's 12,000 families absolutely rely on that business when we did the mapping through it. And mm. so when we make decisions around investment or hiring or firing or business growth or risk-based decisions, investment decisions, we actually sit back and say, wow, there's, there's, a, there's a much broader stakeholder group here than just us. And then I, I chair a charity called Dolly's Dream and, and we have you know, members and we raise money from people, but we have you know, tens of thousands of people every day that look at our mm. social media and that's really important part of their motivation or, or making them happy or and they're the silent people that we have a leadership role because we've created something that they then rely on as part of their, their life mm. and it's really important for us to, to think more broadly about the impact of our actions and the impact of our our leadership and, our, and the impact of our, our decisions than uh, than just the immediate people that you can see in front of you physically or on the screen or, or in an email list or at a board meeting. Yeah, that's a wonderful uh, point to land on because I think all of us can do the exercise that you did with your team in Indonesia, do some of that mapping and realise uh, and maybe have that profound revelation that uh, yeah you're right there are those people that are in, that are directly involved when we when we make a decision no matter what the role is that we're in but there are those there are those people behind the scenes that you've mentioned there that are also affected that's a, that's a yeah, wonderful definitely. point. Uh, well, thank you to our listeners. Really appreciate uh, our listeners tuning in. And don't forget, we also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and Leadership Question of the Day, uh, which is a couple of uh, more direct content around leadership. And uh, I just want to finish today by uh, just giving a massive thank you uh, to Troy. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's been uh, really enriching for me. I've just I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I'm going to take take away a lot of things uh, from this and, and be thinking about them, Troy, because you, you've said some really, uh, really wonderful uh, and, and profound thoughts around perspective on leadership that, that I've really enjoyed. So thank you so much for coming on, Troy. Thank you. Uh, thank you, John. Thanks for you. Well, I hope today's leadership question has helped you in your leadership and put a stone in your shoe. That's what, I, that's what I love to say is that my role, I believe, working with leaders is about putting a stone in your shoe. So something you were really comfortable with, now you're walking a little bit uncomfortably going, mm, is there a better way to do this? How do I handle this? And uh, that's because no growth is comfortable. So uh, I hope that's okay. I appreciate you taking the time. I don't take it lightly. And if you are just joining us, then make sure you check out our website, consultclarity.org. 
consultclarity.org. We have so much free content on there for you, including the seven questions on leadership series. So more than 1,500 leaders around the world, different roles, different sectors have filled out the seven questions on leadership in-depth answers on how they lead, what they've found most challenging, how they structure their time, what book or books have been most significant for them. There is so much gold on there. You could go and and basically live in that part of our website for a few weeks, I think. Uh, So make sure you go and check that out. It's free. And hey, we would love to interview you for our uh, seven questions on leadership series. Your leadership, based on your, uh, you know, your context, your life, and your experience, I believe that you can bring something that other leaders can learn from. I, I truly do, and so it's completely free to get involved. It's a great way to give back if you're loving this content, and you can do that by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and then click on the page fill out the form to express your interest and we can get you going to fill out the seven questions on leadership we also have a free resource on our website it's right at the top consultclarity.org on our homepage, and it's called the leadership survival guide it's a 57 page ebook with interviews uh, from 10 world-class leaders and it's right there for you to download it's completely free and awesome resource it's very popular so check that out We also have a daily email, and I know that our more than 15,000 leaders who subscribe get a lot of value from that. We highlight the best content from our blogs, from our podcasts, uh, from our books and books we're reading. It also gives you exclusive and limited access and early access to our masterclasses and workshops. So uh, I really try to make it something as helpful and as valuable as possible. That's my commitment. And so go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe if you're interested in all things leadership and you can become part of that community. Now, my gift to you with everything we're doing, particularly with this podcast, The Leadership Question of the Day, is to work really hard to provide uh, the best leadership content to invest in you and your leadership. Your gift to me would be this. If you're finding this helpful, if this helps you in your leadership, then there is something you can do that makes a massive difference, and that is to write a review or rate our content. Wherever you're listening or watching, rate our content, write a review, make sure you subscribe or follow. It might seem small to you to do that, but it adds up and it helps us to help more leaders become the best they can be. It also means a lot to me personally whenever I see you sharing our content, so thank you so much for that. If you do share it on social media, then look for me, John O'White, and try to tag me and look for Clarity and tag us, And I promise we are always looking for content shared by our community. When people share our content, we're looking to engage with you. And we, you know, there's also a chance that we may actually share what you write uh, as a a post with with our followers. So if you do that, there's a chance you'll be shared as well. Last of all, you can check out my book called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because more than 50% of the leaders I coach, 50% of the sessions, sorry, where I coach leaders, this comes up again and again and again. And it's leaders saying, Jono, how do I deal with this difficult person? Or how do I deal with this person? And I'm finding it so difficult. We're just on a different wavelength. And that's because difficult conversations are uh, difficult. And I find this is one of the biggest challenges for leaders in the world today. And that's where Step Up or Step Out is a three-step process to help you deal well with difficult people. 
Uh, I really believe it's a book that can help you in your leadership. So go and check that out. It's on Amazon, Step Up or Step Out, John O'White. Uh, if you just look that up or go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and you can get it there. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode of the Leadership Question of the Day next time. I hope today has helped you take another step towards becoming everything you're meant to be. We'll see you next time.